Hey everybody, welcome to Connecting Cannabis, uh, brought to you by Razzle. I'm your host, Brian Holler. Hope you guys are all well out there, having a great day. Uh, today I'll be speaking with Farah Tariq, uh, VP and Assistant General Counsel for Kushko Holdings. Uh, we'll be talking about legal protections and uh, you know having solutions and being creative in your conversations around your legal uh, needs uh, and how to protect yourself and how to make sure that uh, you're doing it uh, thoroughly and in the right way. Um, but first, uh, I need to talk about Ojai Energetics. Um, Ojai Energetics has the most advanced water-soluble CBD on the market. Uh, its fast-acting, most viable products are made without synthetics. Uh, most users feel the benefits with proper dosage in under 30 seconds, uh, not 30 minutes like a regular CBD-rich oil. Uh, their products are created using organic ingredients and regenerative farming practices, uh, benefiting both people and the planet. Um, Ojai Energetics provides CBD users with a dependable bridge to optimal living, promoting everyday health and healing. Uh, to see their products, uh, visit ohioenergetics.com. And to learn more about their current investment opportunity, visit their profile on the Razzle Investment Marketplace at, of course, razzle.com. All right, Farah, how are you today? How are you doing? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing great. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, very nice background. It's uh, sunny. You can hear some birds chirping. Um, very nice. Very nice. Uh, so, um, first of all, I guess let's talk about Kushko. You know, what's, uh, what's Kushko uh, Holdings? What are they? Uh, yeah, Kushko is a publicly traded company um, that has been around for about 10 years. They're like to call them in industry OGs, uh, providing packaging solutions and other uh, ancillary products to cannabis companies, including uh, extraction chemicals, uh, biomass, and a number of other services products. Yeah, they're a very, very interesting company. And, you know, we won't be talking a ton about them, you know, during this discussion, but I would really encourage everybody to go check them out and to, to see what they're up to. And, um, you know, the businesses under their, uh, their watch and under their uh, purview. Uh, purview? Is that how you say that? Yeah. Um, anyhow, purview. Thank you. Um, anyhow, so um, let's talk a little bit about you, of course. You know, how did you um, come to be Assistant um, General Counsel for Kushko? Yeah, so I've been practicing law for about 10 years now, over 10 years. Um, I went to Harvard Law School, went out east for that, and now I'm back in Southern California. Um, I was practicing law in New York for most of my career, uh, kind of the traditional corporate uh, big law path. I was at a law firm, I was working for some tech companies, I was at Shazam, and about two years ago I had an opportunity to enter the cannabis industry. I was um, the VP legal affairs for uh, Ianthus Capital Holdings, which is also a publicly traded company in the cannabis industry. Uh, but this great opportunity came up for me to come back home and continue my work in the industry, uh, continue learning how to help cannabis companies protect themselves, as we're going to talk about today, uh, reviewing a lot of corporate contracts and dealing with um, kind of corporate structure, which can be very complicated in cannabis companies. <laughs> yes, I would imagine so, especially with all the ins and outs and the partnerships and then the legalities of different states uh, or even counties uh, or cities. Um, you start getting down into the minutia, it's a lot of complicated stuff uh, going on. And so, um, in fact, I want to talk about that a little bit with you, obviously. So, you know, um, we've spoken in the past, obviously. Um, what are some, I want to say, problems that you've seen or with different cannabis companies in terms of being prepared uh, legally? Like, what are things that um, folks should be looking at that you see them not looking at as much as they should? Yeah, so I think a big problem within any startup industry or any startup company is resources. And at the beginning, you want to be very careful about what you're spending your money on. And legal expenses can feel like a huge cost center um, because you don't see the revenue numbers or the money coming in immediately 
after those protections are put into place. But it is really important to have lawyers, and especially if you have an in-house lawyer as opposed to just using a law firm that's external, somebody who's at the company day to day, seeing everything that's going on, knows what you're doing, and can help you structure your business deals in a way uh, to make sure that they have longevity. Or if God forbid, which does happen a lot in this industry, something happens to the other party, uh, they are ultimately not able to pay their bills or fulfill their obligations that you have, that you know that you have the protection in the contract to either be able to walk away with minimal losses or to recover from them, um, whatever it is that they owe you. Uh, and that's a huge problem in this industry, of course, as we know, there's a lot of small players, there's a lot of shifting dynamics constantly. And, um, you know, sometimes, especially during times like these, during Corona, uh, inability to pay bills. But if you have the right, if you've thought about these issues ahead of time and put some protections in the contract, then we can minimize those losses going forward. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I mean, it, it's not so much um, knocking, you know, business owners for not paying attention. I mean, there's a lot going on for a typical owner. You're all over the place. You're trying to make things happen very quickly. So it's easy to see why things like this can get, oh, I'll get to that later, right? I'll get to that later. I'll get there soon enough. I'll get there soon enough. Um, but for, if I want to hear from you is correct, you're saying, nope, you should address that first and foremost. Yes, I think when you get your core executives together, when you're building a company and you know that you need your CEO, your CFO, your COO, your general counsel should be among those. Um, the earlier the better, because whenever you do bring someone on, there's going to be a lot of kind of back work to go through and see what mess <laughs> was created beforehand. Sure. Um, and that's just applicable to cannabis, you know, I've seen this in every industry, every company, I think is where we've become adults and are working with companies you really see under the hood and you see how disorganized a lot of people have been. But if you can be diligent about that from day one, um, you're going to see a lot of, of revenue and money that comes in in the long term as a result of that. This is, this is investment in yourself, in your own yeah. company. And certainly that's uh, at Razzle, that's how we coach kind of our counsel, our clients too. You know, we're fortunate to have a lot of great um, connections in the legal side of cannabis like yourself uh, to basically uh, help our clients get kind of buttoned up, as we like to call it, in the in the correct way to prepare for as much as you possibly can. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's things you can't see coming, like our current you know situation, but you still could be prepared from a um, a legal perspective for big shifts in the market, um, and then certainly with deals that you're making with partners or or clients from a a contract standpoint. Um, you know, uh, can you speak a little bit to that in terms of like, you know, I think people have a differing ideas of, you know, what is a legal contract and, you know, what is that, how does that protect me? You know, what, yeah. you know, what do I need in it to, to make sure that it clicks all the boxes? Yeah. So I think first of all, this needs to be said, a contract, put something in writing. <laughs> yes. That's a start for sure. There's a lot of deals. I see a lot of deals going on handshakes only and they say, Oh, we talked about the details. That should be fine. Mm -hmm. It is mostly not fine. <laughs> it down if it's fine if you guys are clear on that because sometimes you think that there's an understanding on the terms and when you actually have to start to write it down you realize that there is more that needs to be discussed there's the big business big picture and we have a lot of really smart creative business people in this industry that are coming up with cool partnerships cool ideas things they want to do with other people um, but when you actually go to write it down uh, there are certain provisions and even if you I mean listen I understand some people not everybody can afford a lawyer but even if you pull a form from the internet there's, there's at least sections and you're like, oh, I hadn't even thought about what we want to do about our termination options. How do we get out of this contract? I think that's a really 
big one that we should think about. It's kind of like, you know, the idea of a prenup, right? You don't want to have to use it, but you want the protection there. You're, You're going into this business relationship. You're really excited about all the positive things, but that's actually the time to take a few minutes and talk about the possibility of bad things when the relationship is good with the other party. And you can say, okay, if, if we're not able to make our, meet our obligations, if you're not able, how do we want to deal with that? And there's an opportunity early on to have a, a, good discussion, a, po- a productive discussion with the other party about that. Um, whereas on the, on the back end, maybe something has soured, something has gone wrong, and it's going to be a lot harder to reach a negotiation after the fact. Um, so I think termination provisions, being able to give notice and just get out of the contract on 30 days, 60 days, 90 days notice, whatever it is, but so that you know you're not trapped. I see a lot of... Um, especially software agreements, you know, big enterprise software solutions tend to have initial terms of two or three years. And there is no out until the very, you have a 30 day window at the end of that three year term. And then it's going to renew for another three years. Yeah. And you're stuck paying thousands of that. Sometimes these things are $20,000, $50,000 a year that you've right. committed to. And sometimes there was lack of communication internally about who signed what, who signed up for what, when, uh, so just having that flexibility of God forbid, if you can't control everything that's coming in, you know, we try, but sometimes things get signed, but at least knowing, okay, if we're cleaning up our contracts and we're looking through this, we have an option. We have a way to get out of this and not continue spending more money on something that we're not using or a relationship that's not working. Yeah. It's fantastic points. Like, I, you know, it's funny. It's a, you know, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, a lot of people doing stuff on handshakes and, and some of that, you know, which I've seen a lot as well and the thing is you made a great point if you guys trust each other that much if the companies trust each other the partner the parties involved trust each other that much the contract creation should be more of an exercise in flushing out all the details rather than oh you don't trust me it should be the it it, i I feel like it should be no we trust each other so much that we're going to go through this together and make sure we're both protected and that we're both amicable and that we're both getting what we want out of the arrangement. And it gives you the excuse to do that step by step instead of just rushing into something. And then a couple months down the line, something goes sour and all of a sudden you're not just screwed financially. You've broken a relationship. It could have hurt your business. Uh, and who knows what the ripple effects of that could uh, entail. So a very, very good point on your part um, in terms of like kind of shifting your mindset to think, listen, papering a contract is a way to extend the goodwill in our relationship, not to put a barrier between it. Yeah, absolutely. You want to have the opportunity to talk about even more aspects of the relationship. You have an idea and let's really flesh it out. Let's see what it's going to look like good and bad so that we can get the most out of it, both parties. Absolutely. Um, You know, uh, in terms of uh, clauses, contracts, preparation, you know, obviously, you know, there's so much we could talk about there. Um, you know, have you found uh, any kind of trends or um, anything happening since uh, Corona in terms of, you know, people protecting themselves or using a certain legal strategy that maybe wasn't used as, as frequently? Yeah, well, I think one thing that we're all looking to a lot right now is um, an existing contracts, the what's called the force majeure provision. And maybe a few people have heard of that phrase in the last few weeks that hadn't heard of it before. Um, But it's a pretty standard kind of what we call the boilerplate in a contract at the end, all that boring stuff at the end that uh, even the lawyers sometimes barely read. (laughs) Right. Um, That just kind of seems like, okay, that's standard. We're not going to need any of it. And then something 
happens, something like this happens. So the force majeure provision says that basically if, when the, a big event happens that neither party has any control over that has stopped us from being able to meet our obligations under the contract. So, and then it usually lists some examples such as um, strikes, uh, acts of war, acts of terrorism, um, natural disasters. And so what I have, and it says you don't have to, it's an excuse to either pause or get out of the contract um, because of these factors that are outside of either party's control. Now, what I'm seeing right now is in new contracts, of course, people are adding to that provision, pandemics uh, <laughs> and other things that specifically speak to it. But what I've seen in the contracts, the past contracts that I'm looking at is the language that's there does cover us. We don't necessarily need to list pandemic specifically. Um, some of the ones I read said if any government action, including a quarantine, um, you know, anything that disrupts business. Sure. So that's great. The real problem though that I'm seeing now is actually implementing that provision. We have, it, we have it in the contracts, great. How do we act on it? And as the company who is trying to get out of a contract, you're gonna look at your force majeure provision, say, okay, I can make an argument that what's happening right now falls under this. So I'm gonna contact the other party and let them know, hey guys, we're not gonna make our payments this month because of this force majeure provision. What do you think's gonna happen? The other side doesn't go, oh, okay, cool, yeah, we have a problem, right, yeah. Sometimes too. <laughs> so now we're getting into the pushback and where legal meets business and where we have to come up with more creative solutions. Because a lot of times the other party is saying now, yeah, okay, sort of. Like, does this does this event, we, we, we acknowledge that a pandemic is going on, but does this event actually mean that you can't make a payment? How is this stopping you from making a payment? And if it's not, you know, it's an indirect line sometimes. So Oof. it hasn't been as easy as just pulling that provision and saying, hey guys, we have this provision, so we're out of the contract. So the next step has really been trying to have a conversation, have business people, and I'm obviously involved in that, but coming up with other other solutions that maybe are outside of what the contract is. Because like you said, we try to think of every eventuality that we can think of, but there's only so many things we can specifically plan for. And then life happens and we have to have a plan for how to work through that together. Um, you know, that combines the spontaneity of the moment with the planning of that we did ahead of time. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I think that uh, kind of a theme is, you know, both parties need to understand that this is kind of unprecedented times that, you know, we're, we're all kind of um, adjusting and trying our best. And so you'd really hope that people, instead of getting frustrated and, you know, trying to strong arm one another, would seek to work together, uh, given that it's uh, crazy. And, you know, it's funny, no matter how protected you are, it all kind of comes back down to um, those relationships you establish and the barriers or the boundaries that you establish uh, with them. Um, to go, you know, if you've generated goodwill and you've done it properly and you protected yourself initially and the other party sees it that way, you probably have a better chance of getting through something like this. Yeah, if the other party wants to, you know, if there's a, a desire on both ends to continue a relationship in some form, but just say because of the current circumstances, we can't continue it in the form that we, that we had it before, you have that good relationship, you can have those conversations about unique and creative solutions for how do we move forward maybe temporarily, maybe can we reduce the number of users that we have on your platform in exchange for committing to a longer time? Can we, you know, we, it, this is the tough part where we have to think of other options, think, out, think outside the box <laughs> to use this um, platitude, but it's so true. 
you know, and, and when you have creative business lines involved and you have a partner on the other side and within your organization, those ideas come up and you can really move forward in ways that, in unexpected ways that can benefit both parties, even during uh, crisis. Yes. Um, and speaking of kind of thinking outside the box and shifting, I'll kind of shift gears myself and kind of bring us to some of the things you've been doing lately personally, right? Um, you know, tell us about um, some of the uh, other kind of appearances you've been making uh, lately. And, uh, and maybe there's a, an app or something you want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, that I'm really excited. Um, one of my friends has launched a cannabis community app called High Curious. It's available for download on the Apple Play Store and on the Apple Sto uh, App Store and Google Play Store. Um, super excited about that. Hopefully we can stay up there for a while. I think a big issue on Instagram. I don't know how much time you spend over there, <laughs> Brian, but there's a lot of people who are in the cannabis community who are sharing their experiences and their knowledge, and it's not a very friendly um, platform for it, as Facebook can be sometimes as well, that there can be issues talking about cannabis because sure. of federal ability. Um, so I'm really excited. We had an official launch for High Curious app on Monday on 420. I hope you enjoyed your holiday. Um, and we're going to be talking over there. I want to get into some educational series. There's, and it's just kind of all things uh, cannabis and cannabis life. You know, cannabis is kind of the background to it all. But for most uh, consumers, we are using it in so many different ways for pain, for productivity, uh, for day-to-day -day life, for parenting. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things to talk about there and it's so rich and um, these other communities, Instagram and everything else has been so great for starting to build that, but I'm really excited to have kind of a place to call home. Um, we'll be working on putting out some more content and talking over there, both about things legal and just intentional use and mindfulness uh, and connecting with, with other cannabis users and cannabis community. Cause I know a lot of people continue to feel ostracized and feel the stigma, whether from their communities or their families um, about their, their usage. So it's really nice to have a safe yeah. space. Absolutely. Yo, go check out High Curious if you're, you know, interested in a kind of a, a cannabis specific social network, essentially. Um, it's very, very interesting and, and cool. And uh, bottom line is any platform is going to uh, be cannabis friendly is going to be uh, interesting to our audience, um, just like Razzle or any other, you know, tech platform that is very friendly to, uh, you know, cannabis businesses or just users, friends, uh, curious people. Uh, absolutely. And so, um, and in fact, Farrah, I think we might, uh, uh, end up seeing you quite a bit uh, moving forward. So uh, we all look forward to, um, you know, more of that. And I thank you so much for being on the show today. Before we take off, uh, let's make sure people know where to find you in Kushko, besides High Curious, of course. Yeah, I am on Instagram as Lit Lawyer or on LinkedIn, Farah Tariq. Um, KushkoHoldings.com is our website, Kush Supply Co. Uh, for anybody out there who uh, has a cannabis company and needs some packaging solution, you can, it's mostly self-service as long as you provide your license. So uh, these are all the places. I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you, Brian. We can dig in more on uh, some of this legal advice. You know, a lot of people within the industry I know are trying to run their own businesses and uh, have positive relationships that are going to last a long time, hopefully. So I'd love to help with that. Absolutely. Yes, we could uh, drill into several topics and I think we will in the future. So I very much look forward to that, Farah. Thank you so much again for joining us and I look forward to doing it again soon. Have a great day.